welcome to Hard Pressed Hope. I'm Catherine. I'm Kate. And we have our friend Hillary here today. Kate and I are very excited for you to hear her story and what she has to offer us. So listen in. Hey, Hillary, how are you? Great. How are you guys? Good. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, Hillary, we invited you because to to me, you're kind of a jack of all trades. You work for children's division. You've taken extra kids into your home. You're a mom and you have a great sense of humor. So I thought that you would be a great guest to host. Well, I think maybe you just think I'm a little bit crazy and I could probably get your listeners to laugh. Awesome. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Our favorite. That's our favorite. (laughs) And you've also made several big leaps in your life. And actually, I know you haven't heard it yet, but on Tuesday, we talked about possibilities and decisions and how we make those decisions. But before we get into that, I wanted to kind of share with people how we met. Because I am pretty convinced God was all up in that business. So I'll start where we started, and then I'll let you take it away from your end, what happened. But I don't even remember what year. It had to be... 2017. Yeah. A couple years ago, because you called me around that time. And Yeah, right. That's right. So yeah, it had to be 2017. We were at church, and we were leaving church. And I, there was a family behind us. I felt prompted to slow down and I'm like nudging Jeff. I'm like, hey, hey, I want to meet this family. Like they have the same age kids we do. So we stopped and it turned out that, and it's Kyla and Tony. Hey, Kyla. Hey, Tony. But, you know, we just, we introduced ourselves and it turned out like we had a lot of professional crossovers. They both knew Jeff by name professionally and she was a social worker just like I am and turns out she works with you at children's division Hillary and so we just you know we kind of we chatted on the sidewalk and that was that was pretty much it like we said hi in passing from then on Um, but then I'll let you take it away because I think it was the next day right Hillary I think so so I had a little special girl on my caseload who I just adored and I was looking for placement for her um, and I ran into Kyla at the office and she said, you should call Catherine. Um, I can't remember exactly what your message at church was about, but it was something about being open to possibilities from what mm-hmm. Kyla was saying, just not thinking inside the box always. Yes, right, right. So I didn't know Jeff or Catherine, um, but Kyla did. So I did a little stalking on Facebook. I'm sure I did because I do that. I like to know what I'm getting myself into. So I just dialed um, Catherine's number um, introduced myself, told her that I was looking for placement for this sweet little girl. Um, of course, Catherine, like me, had lots of questions. 1,000 of them, mm-hmm. Hillary. <laughs> well, that that was fine. Yeah. So we talked, I think, for a pretty long time. Um, usually, you know, you call somebody for placement and they say, no, are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we had never, we hadn't fostered at this point. This was like completely out of left field in in my life for me. Oh, so. okay. And so yeah, you were on a list of ours. Yeah. yeah. No, I was not on any list. Kyla just said, do you know Jeff Okay, and because she had right. made that connection. Church. Yes. Got it. Oh, yes. cool. Ooh, I like this. Okay. So we talked, um, we, we talked a lot about um, my little friend that I needed a placement for. The way I remember it, you said you would talk to your husband, pray mm-hmm. on it because, you know, it was coming out of, you know, outer space. Mm-hmm. And that you would get back a hold of me. 
So if my memory serves me, because don't forget, I've had brain surgery since then. Yes, right. And we'll talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Then, of course, we Jeff and I had this conversation and Jeff. Because of Jeff's job, which is very requires a lot of emotional investment, Um, he's a mental health provider. He's always wanted to do foster care, but also very hesitant. He had always talked about wanting to foster a child that we knew that we would have a lasting relationship with. Um, And so that's something that we had been praying about. I'm praying for, and we did know this little girl, which was part of the reason that you reached out to us. And so we took about a week, I want to say, Hillary, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. So I was at my sister's house in Kansas, the state. And if I remember correctly, you called and said that Mm -hmm. you had spent a lot of time, you and your husband, thinking about it. Um, But something that was really kind of weighing on you was um, why I wasn't taking her to my home. Yeah. Because of the way I spoke about her to you, you just wondered why why that wasn't a possibility. Which was totally out of left field, right? To you. Yes. <laughs> because when you work at the children's division, you cannot foster. Right. Mm-hmm. You can foster from a different county, but you cannot foster from your own county, let alone a child on your own caseload. Okay. So I remember being in my um, sister's house in Kansas, and I had talked to you, and you had You had said this, which hit me out of left field, too. Like, why haven't I considered this? Hmm. I know we're not supposed to. I know it's against policy, but, I mean, it had never even occurred to me. Hmm. Right. And I love this kid. I spend so much time with her. Um, So I sat there in the bathroom at my sister's house for a a little while. I think my sister came to check on me. Hmm. (laughs) And I just kind of broke down and I told her the conversation. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, it sounds like you have a lot to think about. So on my way home from Kansas, it's about a six-hour drive where she was living at the time. I don't think it ever left my mind. Mm. Mm -hmm. So when I got home, of course, I said something to my husband. You know, he's pretty good about saying whatever you want to do, Hillary. Mm -hmm. Um, God bless his soul. Good man. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I, I continued looking for placement for her and really doubting that this was a good situation um, for me because I was too close to her, but I wanted Mm -hmm. to be a support. After we could not find placement anywhere in the state of Missouri for her, I did talk to my supervisor and asked her about me fostering her until we could find something more long term. Mm-hmm. So, Catherine, at that point, you had figured out that it wasn't it wasn't moving forward with your family, and so then you and so Hillary, you then pursued like other options that didn't pan out, and then so then you went to your supervisor. I did. I told her that you know I. I wanted to take her and continue um, to be a support for her while another worker looked for, you know, a long-term mm-hmm. home for her. Yeah. At the time, it did not look like she would be returning home. Um, so our circuit manager said, you know, we don't we don't do things like that. It's against policy. You know, we'd have to go more of a state representative to even try to get permission yeah. for you to do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, well, let's do it. I mean, the worst thing they're going to say is no. Right. And I'm not any worse off than I was, and neither she. Hmm. So we did. We talked to a couple of the higher-ups, and they considered it. And when they got back to us, they said they thought it would be a great fit since I did know all of her her medical stuff and her providers, and I already had a long-term relationship with her. I, I love that part of the story, that, like, you were you experienced some, like, well, we don't normally – we don't usually do this. And then just the option of a different way. Like, sometimes we don't always – think 
there's a there's another it's either like yes or no right but then it was like just pushing back just like oh well let's just see let's let's go to that third option which is to like go to someone else and and ask them to consider it and no that's that's very cool so they said yeah we think it's a great fit yeah so um another side of that is that the man who ultimately said yeah we'd give this a try i saw him out um, at a function and I just went up and told him, you know, that I appreciated him even considering the option. Mm-hmm. I was fully prepared to just get a no back and, you know, I would have been okay with that, but I was really glad that he had really given it some thought. And he said, you know, I think sometimes in this profession, we have to think outside the box, which I thought was pretty cool that he used those words because that's exactly what, you know, Catherine and I had been really doing. Yeah, totally. Right. And what Kyla had prompted you to do from the very beginning, right, of the situation. Yeah. And then Catherine thought outside the box offering it back to you. And then you thought outside the box offering it. (laughs) Like it really is just like a persistence in opportunity, like creating creating opportunities for a child that needs one. I love it. No. Yeah. Hillary, so did this little girl end up joining your family at some point? She did. She came, um, I think the beginning of August, 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was with us until shortly after um, her baby sibling was born. Hmm. Um, and then she needed some treatment that wasn't able to be offered in our area. Mm-hmm. Right. And fast forward to now, Hillary, who is in your household? <laughs> her little sibling. <laughs> four years old, right? Yes, four Spit years fire. old. She just cut her hair off today. Oh. oh she has a mullet again. All right. All right. <laughs> It's a new thing. My so is my son. It's it's in style. <laughs> and you you guys are guardians, right? Well, we took her. She was never in care at all. Um, we took her on a safety plan, and then mom had been incarcerated, and she asked us to do guardianship. Um, and then the summer of well, I guess early 2020, she asked us if we would just go ahead and adopt her. So of course mm-hmm. we did, and that was finalized in April of 21. Oh, okay. So what I am so impressed by is your ability to like to foster these this healthy relationship with bio mom and co-parent because I'm sure that has been difficult. Well, we're the same age, so I think that makes it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, she refers to me as mom a lot, which has been mm-hmm. hard to get used to, I guess, because we are yeah. the same age. Mm-hmm. But she and I also met in the lobby of my office um, in 2016. And we had like this instant relationship, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We've always had, I feel like, and I think she would agree, like a sister kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Like she inherently trusts you. I mean, those requests for guardianship and adopting have come from her because you've lived really beautifully alongside her in a supportive way. Now you're going to make me tear up. Oh, <laughs> Yes, I love her. I haven't been able to talk to her for a few months because she is um, back incarcerated. Yeah. And I know that's been hard for our shared little one, too. She always calls her our daughter. How's our daughter doing? Which is precious to me because she is our daughter. Yeah. And that's when I look back over your situation. Like, I think about had we taken the older girl in, like, neither of those kids would probably have that relationship with their mom that they're able to have Mm -hmm. because you guys have facilitated that so beautifully for them. So you can, you can just let all those tears flow because (laughs) you're doing a wonderful job. Well, I will say my little one's older sibling. um, She has a wonderful foster mom now. I feel like she's sent from God as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but we're able to stay in touch as well. We don't live far from each other. So we're able to keep the girls connected, um, take pictures, exchange Christmas presents. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So that's important to me too, that my little Jacelyn knows that that's her sister forever, even if they don't live together. Yeah, yeah that's a yeah, that's, that's awesome. a gift of family that they're able to maintain and have. The final part of this story, what rounds this story out, is that this situation, having been asked to foster by you, Hillary, led to our fostering situation. One of Jeff's coworkers knew that we had seriously considered fostering this little girl. And because she knew that, came to him, and she said, if it comes down to it, if my daughter is no longer able to care for my grandson, if something happens that she's no longer able to do that, because there were several factors surrounding that situation as well, she said, would you guys consider fostering him? Because she knew we had considered fostering this other little girl. And so because of this one meeting with Kyla and Tony after church, Hillary and I have both expanded our families. And I've shared pieces of that story that um, our situation did not start out as a foster situation. But, um, you know, we we basically decided that we were going to live life next to this family and that they they are now our family, whether we were are fostering him or not. Um, he and his mom and his grandma and his, his brother are a part of our family permanently. But the other awesome part is that my little sweetheart and Catherine's little sweetheart have the same birthday. <gasps> yeah. Oh, oh, that's so fun. Yep. They have the exact same birthday and were born in the same hospital. Were they really? Yeah. That's very exciting. Um, I think we're always waiting for big things, right? We always want to see like a big difference and a big change and a big, I don't know, result, <laughs> which mm-hmm. like I do. But I like this. I like the elements in this story, how it shows like just by one small prompting and one small like you could have Hillary you could have said like when Catherine suggested, um, are you thinking of fostering her? Like, oh, that's ridiculous or something. That's but like it's the rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, just one small pause and the thinking of it driving home and that the tiny, tiny, tiny things that have just led to such change. It's always that way. Yeah. Hillary, you've you've taken huge leaps too. And Kate talked about in our podcast on Tuesday that she doesn't always feel peace, but she just steps forward. Like, did you feel an overwhelming sense of peace when you're making these decisions to take Big Sister in and to become guardian? What what were those decisions like for you? Um, I think I felt at peace, except that people who love me and know me mm-hmm. did not feel the same. Yeah, that's hard. That's a hard place. And then they're trying to say, you know, this isn't your responsibility. You didn't create this mess. You don't have to fix mm-hmm. it. Um, and when you feel compelled to fix something with God's help, it that part hurt, I think. So that's why I always just say it's up to it's up to me. Right. And God. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a common feeling, right, Kate, for foster and adoptive parents like you've experienced that, Kate. Absolutely. It's so difficult because you want people to have a voice in your life, right? Like people that love you and care about you, you respect their opinion and you I don't know. You want to honor what they're trying to tell you, you say, and the, and people have good insight about your life. But at the same time, like as you said, Hillary, at the end of the day, it's you and God. If you're feeling a certain nudge from 
God, it's really important that you take that seriously and you pursue it and you spend a lot of time in discernment. So, And shifting a little bit, Hillary, you've had major health problems. You mentioned you've had brain surgery in the last few years, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. On my dad's side of the family, we have this genetic issue, I call it. Not a problem. It's an uh-huh. issue. <laughs> okay. Um, where we have we have extra extra blood vessels in different parts of our body. So um, I was born with a whole bunch in my leg and I was on the skin of my leg. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had three leg surgeries to remove those. And then I have some in my back, which has never caused me any issues. Um, but when I was seven, I started having seizures and they found one in my brain. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I had that removed in 1991 um, and I didn't have any seizures since then. Um, had routine follow-up with neurologists and no issues until August 7th of 2019. Um, I just went to work and doing my home visits and all of a sudden um, I am at my old house trying to get in. Um, I forgot that I sold that mm. house and oh, okay. um, went to a foster parent's house actually and just kind of collapsed on her. Long story short, I had had a seizure and they found uh, a few more of these malformations in my brain. Wow. So right now, um, they took the one out in 2020 that continued to bleed and would cause issues. Um, So the other ones that I have in there are stable. Mm -hmm. And I keep telling them that they have to stay that way (laughs) because I got too much to do. (laughs) I don't have have time for seizures. (laughs) But I also think that not that, you know, anybody wanted me to have a seizure, especially God. It also gave me some time off of work um, to just be with my family and reflect on things. Mm-hmm. And it also was right when COVID started. Right. Oh. Not that there's ever a good time to have brain surgery, but if there is, that's a yeah, good time. Yeah, the world has mm. slowed a little bit. <laughs> yes. So what do you say to somebody? Because I know you had to rely on coworkers to get you back and forth because the state law in Missouri... Is it still six months? You can't drive six months months after a seizure. So I'm thinking about our listeners who are facing something completely unexpected in their life or completely debilitating in their life right now. What did you learn from that situation or what do you feel like you can share to encourage somebody who's facing something similar? Well, to be honest, I think it's kind of like a drug addiction. Of course, that's kind of the, the work I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just one day at a time. And if you can't handle um, waiting a whole day, just maybe do an hour at a time or a minute at a time, um, mm-hmm. one breath at a time, put one foot in front of the other and just do what you can do. Right. And then, of course, know that God knows every hair on your head. So it doesn't do you much good to worry um, when he's already got everything planned out for you. Mm-hmm. If, if you're feeling down, one thing I like to do is just find a quiet place and count your five biggest blessings. Mm-hmm. Oh, so practicing gratitude. And taking the time to just to, to slow down enough to do that. So mm-hmm. at my office, um, if we need some time to ourselves, we usually just tell each other we're going to the car wash. <laughs> um, sometimes I think people actually do go wash their car. Yep. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure I always do that. I have a couple times, but it's kind of a code word. Like I just need some quietness and I'll be back when my car's washed. Yeah. And if it and if I come back with it dirty, don't ask why it's not washed. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
You deal, I can imagine that you have a lot of like, your work is obviously very emotional and complicated and layered. Do you find that you decompress well? Can you speak to that at all, I guess? Well, most recently we have been very, very understaffed. So I don't know if Catherine told you, but I I like quit my job. Yeah, we (laughs) want to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. So So I put my notice in before Thanksgiving and I'd given it a lot of thought, but I just thought, you know, there's so many things that I cannot change, um, different policies that are coming out, different procedures um, that I know are not going to fit in with my morals and values, and they're going to weigh too heavy on me. So I did put in my notice, and my last day was going to be like the beginning of December. Mm-hmm. And as I got closer to that date, there was a lot more things I wanted to do. Um, so I asked my circuit manager if I could stay longer and get some more, some more of the legal paperwork done. Um, she told me I could stay as long as I wanted. <laughs> and in fact, she joked that we would just do like a month by month basis. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Rent to own. And so, yeah, <laughs> as, my, really. as my last day, I guess my third last day approached, I was just in tears like the whole week. Like, how can I leave this? Mm-hmm. And of course, that's a that's a lot because I'm like, is that my brain speaking? Is that my heart speaking? Um, am I scared? Like, what? Where is mm-hmm. this coming from? Yeah. I was so sure about this decision before. And now I'm a bawling mess. And so I just asked my husband and my my parents, like, am I crazy? Or, you know, what do I do? Um, because they just want me to, you know, be happy and take care of my health. And of course, they know this job weighs on on both of those yeah. things. So my husband, of course, like I said, he just always says, whatever makes you happy, babe. Oh, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> so I talked to my circuit manager and I said, I'm not going to leave. And then long story short, I got a promotion and a raise. Wait. Amazing. Okay. So you cha- so you were like fully like, I'm, I got to go. And then just like wrote up a notice. It was a whole thing. You had a last day. And then yeah, you just, like three last days. What <laughs> What did you feel like? How did you turn that ship around? You know, like, did you just, were you just like, no, I got to be honest, I'm going to stay. Or did you feel like pressure? I mean, that would be hard for a lot of women, I think, to say, like, I said this and now I'm going back. But you seem like very confident, like I had to do what I needed to do. Is that just what it was? Well, I think when I put in my first notice, I felt really hopeless about the future of, of our state and our, our government, yep. different decisions that were being made. Um, plus we're so understaffed. But as I, as I finished out my notice, or I should say my, my two or three notices, um, I think I did have pressure, um, from myself, but also a lot of my kids, um, on my caseload, hmm. my families wanted to know if they could still use me as a support. And so I really thought to myself, Hillary, even if you, even if you leave this job, you're not leaving this job. Ah, that's a good distinction. You still have all of these people still Mm -hmm. calling, still emailing, still texting, and I want them to, especially my older youth that are adults now. Mm -hmm. So I think that was one of the, one of the main things. Plus, like I always say, it's up to me and God and we'll work it out. How do you work it out with God? Like, how does your faith inform those types of decisions? Well, I always tell him to speak loud to me. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm not such a great listener. <laughs> I think that's a great place to start. Like, I want to hear you, but you're going to have to speak up. <laughs> speak up. <laughs> no, speak I, really loud. I appreciate that honesty. That's true. I'm thinking, Hillary, you're on both sides of children's division and taking in extra kids. So, like, you're a wise owl when it comes to this realm (laughs) of the world if you have something to say to foster parents or whoever so I guess my my main beef I always say is 
whether you're fostering a child or, you know, helping the neighbor down the street, do it with everything you've got Mm. because you don't know where it will take you or take someone else. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, in the fostering world, I like to tell everybody, foster the whole family Mm. because that kid has a family. That's beautiful. Even if the case goes to adoption, they have those parents and those grandparents and even siblings. Um, So foster the whole family. Mm -hmm. And it will make things so much easier for you, for the parents, for the kids, just everything. So do your best. You're saying yep. do your best. Yeah, exactly. And just think, yeah. just because somebody might not agree with you or think, you know, you're being too nice or whatever, just, you know, it's it would be really easy for any of us, I feel like, to be in the position that some of our biological parents are in. So mm-hmm. just love them and foster the whole family. Yeah. Hillary, it's been a real tremendous blessing to hear from you today. I kind of get lost in systems. I get exhausted with like dealing with systems and f- figuring out a form. And and I know that people are doing their jobs. I'm trying to do, jo- you know, everyone has a job to do, but um, your humanity, your compassion, your care, like it just really shines through. And I know that you are working so hard on behalf of vulnerable children and families, like you said, and it is a blessing to them and a blessing to us too to hear about your experiences. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And we always ask our guests one question to end out the show. And that is, what's exciting in life, Hillary? What's exciting? Yeah, what's exciting? Right now, long term. Well, that's a loaded question. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's Friday night, though. Like, are you excited about, like, popcorn? (laughs) Like, it could be anything. Well, I'm trying to figure out if I should try to fix Jacelyn's hair when I get home. Or just let it grow because she's really not rocking this mullet that she's got. No, she's not. She's not pulling it off. It's in style. It's not in my house for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) So is fixing her hair, is that what's exciting? Or like, you know, just the whole decision making process. Yeah, just the whole decision making. Probably need to get a hold of our our hairdresser slash family friend and be like, what in the world? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Best of luck. Okay, we really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Hillary. Thanks so much for coming on today, Hillary. Welcome. See you guys later. Thanks so much for joining us today. We have two more episodes coming on up and we hope you'll tune in next week.